0: Hey, Becky, do you like this beat? Mm, I'm into faster stuff lately, like Xfinity that gives me beyond gig speeds. What about this then? Powerful, just like Xfinity. Get unlimited gig internet for $50 a month for two years with no annual contract when you add Xfinity Mobile at regular rates. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Requires paperless billing and auto pay with stored bank account. New gigabit extra internet customers only. Taxes and fees extra and subject to change. Xfinity Mobile requires post-pay Xfinity Internet. After 24 months, regular rates apply.
1: My story begins in the summer of 2014, when I came home one day to the devastating news that my loving partner had a brain tumour.
0: The voice you just heard is that of Lisa Edwards. Lisa has a story that I think you'll find very compelling, gripping, moving. So many people come on and tell incredible stories. Stories are what matter. Being present is what matters. And overcoming difficult times is incredibly important to see the triumph in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy a conversation I had with Lisa Edwards. Awesome. So we are in the zone with Lisa Edwards. And uh, Lisa, I'm really pumped that you're with me today. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Dr. Darian. Thank you.
0: Well, uh, you are from the UK, yes?
1: I am. Yes, I am. Can you tell from my very Queen's English? The Queen's English. (laughs)
0: You know what's funny is like, I've had so many people from different parts of the world. And sometimes I'm like, is that like an English accent? Is it South African? It's, you uh, never know sometimes, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. come together a little bit. So, but happy to have you on. And I heard about your story and I thought it'd be a big benefit for my audience to hear about. It. I think there's a lot to it. And then we'll just roll from there. So tell me about your story. It sounds amazing. Let's just let's
1: just get into it. Okay. Um. Also, I'll start my story. It wasn't really that long ago, actually. It was a few years ago. Um, and I found myself waiting in the hospital. I was really ill, um, in pain. Um, I had been ill for a few months actually, and losing weight, and uh, quite sick. Uh, just, 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 just generally very um, lethargic and tired all the time. And I was waiting there. I was on my own. I was scared. And the consultant came in and I had all my results had all my results back and I was waiting for the big, you know, for them to tell me it was the big C, big cancer for sure. And he said, well, we've done all the tests and there's nothing wrong with you. Physiologically, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, and I was completely shocked. I was thinking what's going on, there has to be something that I've been very ill for a long time. And, um, he said, No, there's, there's, there's nothing off you go. You know, you're discharged. You can, you can go on your way without really any kind of much of an explanation. Um, he gave me this leaflet about stress, managing stress. And um, of course, I was relieved, but also a bit angry because I had no explanation of what was going on. And it, over the coming days, it was kind of like this realization that this was it I'd reached my lowest point and it was actually my mental health that I really needed to focus on now because that was you know it was this connection between mind and body Uh, they were not separate Um, taking care of your mental health is you know is crucial for having a healthy body as well and and it was that point which I decided to make a change and actually do something um, and focus on actually getting myself uh, together if you like Um, And what had really got me to that point was that two years, exactly two years earlier, uh, I'd been in this uh, relationship with this great guy. Um, He was kind, patient. Um, He was, you know, my family, my friends really liked him. He'd never said anything bad to me. Um, And I came home. It was quite a stressful period of time, actually, uh, because things were going on at his workplace. Um, some lady that he, a colleague of his that he'd worked with, for some reason, very out of the blue, began sending me quite nasty messages through Facebook. Um, and it was going on for for several days and, and sort of eventually into weeks. So it was quite a stressful time. And he, he was late home from work and he came home and I was having a bit of a go at him, you know, because he was late. And obviously all this stuff was going on as well. And he just put his head in his hands and he said, I've been diagnosed with a brain tumour. And I was like, oh, my God, what, you know, this guy was 34. We'd been planning over the years, thinking about marriage. And suddenly I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be planning this man's funeral. And um, it was horrendous, horrible. It just stopped me in my tracks. Um, But I decided, obviously, I would, you know, try, try and stay positive for him. And it was about... Not really that long after, maybe a couple of weeks afterwards, um, his behavior began, became a bit erratic, started changing. Um, He was disappearing for long periods of time and not phoning me or his phone would be off. Um, One day I was in the bath, he just came in and he was quite, there was just something different about him. I just sensed it and he just plunged his hand straight into the bath between my legs, grabbed me quite hard. And I just yelled like, what are you doing? You know, get out. And I came out of the bath and I went into the bedroom and he was there waiting for me and he sexually assaulted me, um, quite, you know, he had a purpose and I tried to fight him and to stop him. And, um, I just remember I was scratching his arms, um, and trying to defend myself Uh, but what was going through my head at that point was that I couldn't hit him hit his face I couldn't hit his head because I was really concerned about this brain tumour and how it would affect him so even though I'm being raped and assaulted and this horrible thing was going on I was still ironically putting this man's welfare before my own uh, making excuses um I thought maybe it had affected his cognitive functioning or something, some reason, or maybe the fear of of, of death or what might happen was, was the reason for this behaviour. And afterwards, obviously, I was shocked, uh, confused, and I sent him away, told him to get out, um, and he disappeared maybe for a couple of days, came back, and he was begging and pleading with me that, you know, for all the things that I'd said, really, that he was alone alone, and he was going through this, this horrible thing and he didn't have anybody else to turn to. And I was the only person that could help him and support him and he needed me. And so I took him back um, and I said, OK, I'll support you through it. But the, the, the appointment times to the hospital and the checkups, they kept being changed. And last minute, every, you know, I'd make arrangements to go with him to the hospital and suddenly the time would be changed and he'd forget. So I was getting really a bit concerned. Um, I wanted to be with him at the hospital. So I started looking for an appointment letter or something um, that I hadn't seen. And I was standing in the bedroom and I remember... I found, I didn't find any appointment letters. What I found was a second phone of his that I'd never seen before. Um, I remember standing there, just this sort of rising sense of dread. I was holding it in my hands, thinking this is really not going to be good news. And I turned it on and it was just a, there was no SIM, so it was just loads of num- uh, numbers, no names or anything. And the first message that I saw was, um do a picture message of a baby and it said, do you want to come and meet your daughter or would you like to do a DNA test? And I felt sick, absolutely sick because I knew this wasn't a hoax. (laughs) The baby looked exactly like him. Um, And it was clear that he'd obviously been avoiding the messages. And then I carried on scrolling and I saw another number that had been repeatedly called there was no messages, but this number had been repeatedly called on a daily basis, almost. And um, so I messaged this number and I said, "Look, I'm his partner. I've been with him for six years. Who are you?" And the reply that came back was, "I'm his wife." Oh so, my god! Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was over the coming days, and we—I mean, it wasn't sort of all. It was almost too much to take in in, in one sort of sitting, if you like. And it was over the coming days and weeks that I kind of pieced everything together and realized I, the whole relationship, the whole entire relationship, for the whole six years had been a complete lie from day one. And that the, um, his place of work, the, the woman that was telling me that had been abusing me and sending me all these nasty messages and trolling me and uh, uh, basically didn't exist. He didn't actually work where he said he did. He'd actually set up these fake Facebook accounts as well of colleagues that, that were all him. Orchestrating all these uh, messages to kind of corroborate his story of having a brain shimmer of wherever he was, if he was out with his colleagues. Um, so yeah, so so everything was this <laughs> almighty story, this lie. And I think he uh, and and what I really held on to until the last point, which I found you know almost too much to to kind of handle, was the fact that this man I'd been with actually lied about having a brain tumour as well there was no brain tumour so he'd lied about absolutely everything um and I'd actually truly believed that I'd been in this relationship with this great person and suddenly I found myself that I couldn't even leave my house without feeling the stares and snickers behind me um the shame as well because I found I couldn't talk about the rape I found that really difficult. I, I didn't really want to talk about the whole relationship either because I thought, you know, people were just thinking, well, you must have known, you know, it's your own fault. And and it was just horrible. It just sent me in a spin. I got to the point where I felt like I couldn't even trust my own hands in front of me. You know, I couldn't trust anybody. I was very cautious of even, not even just men but you know anybody that that told me any gave me any feedback I just couldn't believe anything what anybody was saying it was just um it felt like I was in a very like underwater unable to surface like I was drowning underwater unable to reach the surface it was like a very surreal um time in my life um of what had happened because I'd invested so much into this relationship emotionally as well um and suddenly to find myself that you know, I'd been played from the beginning, um, and so you start to question things. Um, but I think in my, I think it was anger. I, I sort of came out of that, and it was just anger, and I be, became quite And I remember, I sort of my mum took me out and. Uh, We were sort of in a restaurant and she was like, don't let it make you bitter, Lisa, don't, don't, don't let it make you bitter. And of course, that's exactly what happened. I just felt it eating inside of me, eating, because I couldn't talk to anybody. You know, this is the one thing that I should have done that I didn't do, you know, and I would urge anybody going through anything, talk, reach out to somebody because you just, I just buried it, you know, buried it deep down. And of course, it's going to come out in the cracks somewhere. Um, but I was so angry and, and I I kind of just thought about, you know, what was the thing that I could, yeah, you know, how could I get him back? What would be the, the most, you know, what way could I get him back that would hurt him the most? And I thought, um, and again, wrongly, you know, I'm putting all my energy into him and focusing on him and this when I should really have been focusing just on my own welfare and health. And I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to get in in a new relation. I'm going to find somebody new, you know, I'm all right. It's going to be fine. I'm going to find a good person and it's going to be great. And that's actually exactly what happened. (laughs) I I actually found and met this, um, again, it wasn't like, I wasn't really sort of looking as such, but it happened and very quickly. And I met this Great person. Um, I did tell him about what I'd been through, and he was so understanding. He was just fantastic. And if we weren't together, he was taking photos um, of, you know, making sure that I was, because obviously I had serious trust issues. Um, he was making sure that, you know, I was part of, if he was out with his friends, he was taking photos, so I could start and sending me photos and little messages all the time. I'm going here, I'm doing this. And he did as much as, as any great person could possibly do to to sort of reassure me and help me and he was amazing actually and when we were together it was absolutely fantastic uh the problem was that when we were apart my paranoia my insecurity and the previous experiences just meant that all he had to do uh, all he had to do was send me a nice message saying, you know, I really care about you such a nice person and all this, you know, he'd say, say something really sweet and endearing, which in normal circumstances, it was a nice compliment and you receive it very well. I was prove it. Well, you know, I've heard it all before. And how can you say that to me? I don't believe any of it, you know, because I'd sort of, had this mindset of this this victim mindset, really, and um it was all about him having to prove to me that men were good, you know, I'd had this bad experience um and this poor guy he just couldn't do anything, he couldn't do it right for doing wrong, and eventually, after like a year, a year or so, um he just came to me and it it was well, it was a bit more than a year, it was about fifteen months or so, and because of all the arguments, like I said, it was great when we were together, but when we were apart, it was just just too many arguments and he just said look I really care about you you're a great person but I can't do it anymore you know I just don't believe it's going to get any better and it's not that I was throwing plates at him or, or cheating or doing anything right. bad or anything but he just he just, for his own mental welfare and his own uh, his own sake you know he just felt like he'd a boundary you know had been drawn He he'd, he'd reached his own limit And I remember when we were, we were actually saying goodbye and we met up and everything. He was such such a lovely, lovely person. And he was hugging me actually. And he was holding me and it was so painful. Um, And he was really just, just holding me so tight and just wishing me well. And in that moment is as devastating and as heartbreaking and heart wrenching as it was, he taught me something in that moment about self-love which was love for himself as much as he cared about me he ke- he had his own self-worth self-love to be able to step away from something that he knew wasn't working for himself as well um so it wasn't a case of him because I think sometimes in relationships we kind of you know we we keep flogging the dead horse, we say in, in, mm-hmm. in English or in the UK. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a, it's a saying in the US. <laughs> yeah, it's beating a uh, dead
0: horse in the US. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you kind of, and sometimes we just, or we, or we let people just continue and continue and continue because we don't have those limits or boundaries ourselves. And I think he taught me, even like, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, it was the best thing he could do for himself but he actually did something good for me as well Um, because whilst I was obviously devastated and that's what then led me to become very ill um, because this combination of of all these things that happened in a short space of time um, and I was just heartbreaking so before I think when I the brain the Lyme brain tumor guy after him I was fueled by anger I guess fueled by anger now I just felt sadness this deep sense of grief and loss that and this heart-wrenching feeling of it was just failure because I felt that even with a good person I couldn't even make it work with a good person you know um here I was had this great guy and I was a a complete failure you know I couldn't make it work with obviously that there was the other guy you know he was a liar I'd attracted a liar into my life and I couldn't even make it work with a good person that I was never going to be happy. That was it. I was a, you know, a waste of space, pointless. And I just, there was just these, this constant negative self-talk and it got to the point where, yeah, I just, just, just deteriorated and deteriorated. My my, uh, physical health um, was affected to the point that I ended up in the hospital um, which is where I began uh, the story today. And um, so from that point, when, at my lowest point, when I came out of the hospital, it was kind of like, right, you know, this this is it. It can't get any worse. Has to, I have to take control of this. Um, I need to sort it out, really. And also for my son, because I was always crying and I was feeling ill. So that's when I started to really... Start looking at looking into NLP and just start like workshops I started off with just weekend workshops or day workshops just sort of um, personal development workshops and things like that and um, yeah that's how I, I went on this free uh, free weekend thing this week um, NLP and it was just incredible I was just blown away I just got so much value from it and I think the first thing that I learned was about the cause and effect and that you you can either be um, a sort of a victim of, of, you know, you can have this stay in this mindset of being a victim and feeling powerless or you can empower yourself and you can say, okay, this has happened to me. You can't unhappen it. But now I don't, I, I, I have a choice as to how to respond to that and how I now proceed you know you don't have to stay in that victim mindset and for me that was so empowering and liberating it was completely different view because I'd spent my whole life actually um blaming people other people for any you know anything that had gone wrong in my life um including my childhood I didn't have a very good childhood and I spent a lot of time sort of playing the blame game if you like um and so it was that chance to take that extreme response, to be responsible and to take ownership of myself, and my own thoughts. And so I thought, this is great. This is this is gold. <laughs> this is. So I then signed up to do like a, a longer course, a more deeper dive, um, seven days of intensive um, training in for the NLP practitioner, and we did also timeline and hypnosis as well. And, of course, it's like therapy, isn't it, because you're practicing on each other, so you're getting that therapy. And it was fantastic. It was kind of such a, you know, it was, like I said, it was getting all these tools and things uh, to change my limiting beliefs and my negative beliefs and working forwards from that, those sort of uh, bad experiences. And um, And then... It was actually the second course that I went on to do the master practitioner. And there was this, we had this great mentor. And I think we were doing this kind of breakthrough session. And I was sitting there and I was talking away about all my problems and everything else. And he was listening and uh, just listening to me. He was quiet and he was just listening. And I was, you know, putting the world to rights and having a good old moan and just rants, letting it all out. And he just, Said, can I just stop you there, Lisa? And he just leant into his pocket, he pulled out a packet of tissues and he put it on the table and he said, What do you hate about yourself?
0: Welcome to the intermission. You know, the concept of a secondary gain is one that's gonna be discussed in the second half of this conversation. Something maybe to think about ahead of time. Even if you're participating in something that's a negative behavior, or no behavior at all, just a zero level of action, there may potentially be some gain to that for you. What is the gain in your life that's causing you to have inaction? or negative actions? Think about that.
1: And I just burst into tears. And it was this cathartic (laughs) release of emotion, um, this aha moment, if you like, this sudden realisation that whilst I'd actually been projecting outwards all my anger and blame on the people and the situations and the experiences that I'd had in my life and my parents as well, that actually it was myself that I hated and I blamed and I had no love for myself. And I kind of looked back, it was a sort of along my timeline, I realised that I'd either been, either been attracting the wrong kind of people into my life or negative situations or sabotaging Unconsciously sabotaging the good things, um, without obviously, you know, unconsciously, without realizing, because I didn't feel like I I deserved it, you know, I had no self love. So if anybody came along that actually cared about me or loved me, I'd kind of reject it um, or find a way to kind of sabotage it or push them. Um, in fact, actually, the, that amazing guy he did say to me, you know, it feels like you it feels like you want to end it, you know, it feels like you're you're pushing, you're pushing for me to end it. Um, and it sort of all made sense in that moment. It was this huge, uh, you know, realisation. It was actually quite, I mean, although it was quite sad to think that I'd lived all this time feeling quite unworthy and unlovable and undeserving, um, I think when, once you realise the problem, that's when you can kind of take action and you can actually start doing something about it. Um, so really, you know, that's that was my, my big aha, really, that, for me the fundamental um the first fundamental step to sort of any kind of success and happiness in your life is you have to know and truly believe that you actually deserve it because what i found in my practice as well because obviously now i see clients um is that they'll present with a problem and maybe you you obviously will understand this present with a problem which is really just a symptom and not the cause um the, uh, and when you sort of strip away the layers, you find out that when you go back, it's it's usually this lack of self worth or the narrative that that was the story that was created when they were younger and that they've carried throughout the whole life. Um, and these limiting beliefs of not being good enough, not being worthy, um, being unlovable, and quite often, you know, whether I'm even if I'm helping somebody sort of motivate them for for weight loss or whatever. Um, And you find out when you strip away the layers, it's this lack of lack of self-worth. And I kind of liken it a bit like, um, you know, if you don't have this belief that you actually you are a worthy person, you actually deserve success and happiness. It's a bit like trying to fly a kite when there's no wind. You know, you can run really hard, you can run fast and you might you might actually get it up in the air if you run really fast. But how long is it actually going to stay up in the air? it's not going to stay up there for very long. It'll just come crashing down and you'll have to start again because I've seen, I've seen a lot of people very successful. It doesn't mean you, you can't achieve success, monetary or, you know, I've had clients that have come and we've had everything, but then they've had this anxiety because they felt that oh, it, it, they didn't really deserve it and that it might go at any moment, they might lose it at any moment. So for me, that that's my message really is that it's really about, Knowing that, just loving yourself unconditionally, knowing that you're you're worthy and you're deserving of, of good things in your life, and changing that sort of narrative um, that you're worthless or un- unworthy. Um, so yeah, so that's my so and obviously that's where I am. I've come to you today, if you like.
0: Wonderful, uh, very powerful story. Um, you know, I've I've been doing this a while now, and I've heard so many incredible stories. And, um, all of them are very unique and
1: yeah not and very
0: um tragic in many ways, but also very triumphant also and I love yeah. so many people that I've talked to on here just they're overcoming these incredible obstacles and learning so many things about themselves and I wonder, as you've gone through this throughout you know the years, are there times where you still struggle? with the thoughts that you've had in the past while you're working with people in your own life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think it's an ongoing, the thing about, uh, I mean, if you think about relationships, any relationship, if you've got a partner, mm-hmm. husband, wife, uh, children, it requires work. It's its not a case of, oh, I've got you now, you know, we're married now, that's it. I don't have to do any work. And of course not. It's an ongoing process. It's a daily process. You have to work at any relationship and the relationship that you have with yourself is is but the most important um of any relationships so of course yeah it's an absolute it's an ongoing it's a daily process i, I still have uh those little you know that little self talk that comes comes up and oh you know and and i have to I have to use all my own techniques and and sometimes i just and sometimes i just let it I just allow the thoughts to come. Actually, sometimes I don't suppress. I push them away. Sometimes there are just moments when it's it's good to be just present, and just not to just to allow the thoughts and to understand where they're coming from and what the reason is. Um, I I told a story actually. There was, and I'll give you an example. I did a podcast, uh, I've done a few podcasts uh, recently, but, um, you know, it takes time for them to sort of be released. And and I the first one that I actually actively promoted, because not many people, um, I've not been sharing this story for very long, actually, uh, not many people um, know about it. And I had this, so I, I put it on my uh, Facebook page, my personal page. And I put it out, and it was all public, and and people in my community, clients, former clients, you know, lots of people, uh, extended family and friends, people that I've worked with before, and um, I put it on, and I was not expecting this sort of overwhelming response, and and I kind of thought, you know, I wasn't really expecting anybody to listen to it, if I'm honest. And I've, I suddenly, the, the next day, I just freaked out a bit. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Is this going to change the way people look at me? Can I walk down the street? Because I live in a very uh, small town, mm-hmm. a small community. And I was thinking, oh, my God, is this going to affect my business? How did I sound? Did I waffle? You know, all these things, silly things, you know. Um, and I had this moment where I just... I was thinking, I want, it, I want to take it down. I want to take it down. And that was my kind of initial reaction. And I just I just allowed the feelings. I, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm trained in a lot of different, I'm, I'm trained in psychosensory uh, therapy, the havening technique as well. I, I have all these tools, but I didn't actually use, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to allow them to come. Just let them come. Let this fear come and just let it wash over me. Um, because I didn't try to push it away, I kind of realized it, it, it just went, they just went, you know, it, the fear went because I thought it's quite a natural thing. It's just, it's almost like a mental check-in. Are you sure you're doing the right thing? Are you sure there's no risk involved? No, there's no risk involved. We're not needed anymore. And I kind of likened it to a little bit like having your own special ops team, you know, fear is something, uh, instead of trying to oppress it or overcome it, or, you know, push it away it's kind of like it, it's there to serve you it's there to help you in a way it's there to keep you safe isn't it fear so you know i kind of likened it like it's a bit like a little special ops team you know or an overprotective grandmother or something that's kind of like oh you know be careful now you know you might not be safe and and then you think no actually thanks for your concern but it's okay i'm going to be okay and it's like a little special ops team doing a sweep of the area coming back and saying you know it's all clear you can go now and that's how I you know visualized it in my head and that's the way it kind of just it dissipated and I was fine and you know I've had this great reception and it's 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 absolutely we're not I'm not perfect and I'm, I'm quite happy to admit that perfectly imperfect you know nobody is we never get to a point of reaching perfection, we can strive to, to to be there, but we're all human beings and we have as many positive emotions and as many negative uh, feelings as well. Um, it, it's just a point, it's keeping a harmonious balance, isn't it? I think uh, Darren. it's like making sure that we don't um, live or dwell in negativity um, and making sure that they don't take over, if you like, and it's not disproportionate to to whatever's happened to the event um so yeah so that's my I mean it's certainly something that I have to work on I use um affirmations as well to kind of keep it keeps me focused uh I put them on my mirror in the morning and I say affirmations and I encourage my son to do that as well um it keeps you in the right you know if you do it in the morning it's the first thing you see um keeps you in that sort of positive frame um, so yeah, so I have, I do have to remind myself, yeah, that, you know, I'm, I'm good enough and I'm worth it. And, you know, the L'Oreal advert, cause you're worth it, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, worthy, should I say? worth it. Um, yeah. What do you think happens to I'm you?
0: Going. Um, every time you tell your story you said, you know, you've been saying it recently, like, do you feel like telling the story kind of helps you heal even further or helps you improve? every time that you um, talk about it on a podcast or in a different venue?
1: Yeah, I think you've, yeah, you've just really kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think that uh, it's most definitely healing, actually, most definitely healing. And and actually getting to the point of uh, talking about, because it happened about six years ago. Um, so getting to the point of being able to tell it, I knew that I was, that was kind of the final healing part, you know, the final healing process. And I think also, you know, there's, there's healing in helping, isn't there? Helping other people, um, knowing that you can possibly inspire somebody. You know, it's, it's almost like I've been sitting on this story and, 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 and it's like, you want to share it really, you know, if you can inspire and help somebody else just by sharing your story, it's, it's worth it. And of course, yeah, this helps me, um, because every time I, I do a podcast and I tell a story particularly on podcasts where obviously i 'm being interviewed um it's it 's all about perspectives because you look at things differently that you so it 's a learning process as well because um you might highlight something that i 've never really thought about before which can help me in my coaching um or therapy in helping somebody else so there 's a great deal to be learned you know um, but and it 's yeah and it 's definitely absolutely a healing a healing uh, process as well uh, because you don't forget you know you, you you don't forget and obviously every time i tell it i'm i'm slightly you know from a distance but you are kind of sometimes feeling the emotions as well um but i feel like i'm in a comfortable space that i can actually do that um but yeah definitely it's it's certainly helping me as well you know you mentioned sure. something
0: uh that really resonated with me Kind of, you know, I've been been in the fitness business for almost 20 years, and it's a very interesting uh, social experiment many times with fitness. Um, But you talk about doing the work. Relationships require work, and and it's constant work, and nothing's just done. I, I totally believe that. But I wonder why, maybe you can help me answer this and maybe provide some more perspective, why we deem some things worthy of working on regularly to get better. And some things we won't work on regularly to get better, even though we know that they're, it would be good for us. And it seems like there's there's almost this uh, isolation of what we will work on to help ourselves and what we won't.
1: Uh, I think it depends on what's being gained, because there's uh, something called secondary gain, isn't it? I think that If you go on the basis that all behavior, no matter how negative, has a positive intent, so there is something to be gained from everything we do, no matter how negatively, or doing nothing at all, there's something to be gained. So you have to figure out what it is that you're gaining by not changing whatever Mm -hmm. it is that should be changed. Um, So, for example, I don't know, let's say somebody who's, uh, let's say somebody who's always unwell and they're not really thinking about their, perhaps they're not, you know, they should be getting fitter and eating better and the but they're always unwell and they're not doing the things that they should be doing. They know that's going to help them. Um and then you think, well, why aren't you, you know, you, you don't you want to be better, don't you want to feel better, you know, don't you want to feel healthier and have more energy? But then you find out that perhaps um because they're unwell, they're getting maybe more sympathy or maybe more attention or maybe more time off work so they get to spend time with the family so there is some kind of secondary gain and i think when you figure out what the secondary gain you know what are you gaining then you can implement another strategy to get the same result but doing something uh, in a more positive way if you like Um, so that would be my explanation of that and also i think there's another it depends on, you know, how you've been brought up, the narrative, you know, family experiences, and we tend to be creatures of habit as well. So it depends on um, perhaps how you've been brought up, and if you get into this uh, cycle of just very, you know, it's a habitual thing. Um, but again, I, I, I truly believe that in secondary gain, it's, there's always something to be gained, and you have to figure out what it is that you're getting by not by not doing what you should be doing, or not changing or uh, not working on some aspect Um, because there will always be a benefit, no matter how negative, you know, if you think about toddlers screaming and crying and parents shouting at them, but then maybe at the end of it, they get a cuddle or they get more attention from the parents. So there's always something to be gained. You just have to figure out what that is and then you can work from that. Really,
0: I don't think I've heard that perspective before and I've, I've heard tons of perspectives and I think that's the great thing about talking to people is in, you In many ways, you're in search of different understandings of similar concepts. And yeah. that secondary gain, it sounds very powerful because sometimes I think, you know, why don't you just, you know, look, you'll feel much better. You will do much better. People in your life will feel you'll be able to be connect with them more. But it's weird to think that somebody, there's a gain in in a negative state for them. But then also, maybe it explains why people are more willing to take a loss than to move forward, because there's some gain in that loss for them, which is a weird paradox. I feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. But if you think about, if you think about somebody, I mean, as tragic and as horrible as if you think about somebody who's cut who cuts themselves, like mm-hmm. self harming. There is a a, a strategy, you know, you think, oh, that's horrendous and you're cutting it. It must hurt and how horrible. But there is something that they gain from that, which is a a release, um, some kind of relief or something that they're gaining from that behavior. So, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you start when you start to think about it, you think, yeah, it kind of makes sense. And when you when you work from that uh, perspective, you can sort of motivate, motivate people. If you can find what it is. Um, then you can motivate somebody to do something by, you know, so they can still get that gain. So they can still get, so for example, somebody self-harm, they can get that relief by doing something positive. Then you change the behavior. So you want the end result, but in a different, in a, in a healthier way, basically a more positive way. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. What's been the hardest part of, you know, you started to tell your story, you've come out, told your story. I mean, it's, it's quite shocking. um, The whole thing, what's, What's been the hardest thing about any feedback you have received about it?
1: The hardest part, um, part um, the well, the feedback has been really, really good actually um, about my story, and I think I think it's just that feeling vulnerable. Um that it, it, you you feel that sense of nakedness, I mm-hmm. guess um you know you're allowing people into the depths of your mind your your soul really you're kind of standing there it's almost you know I liken this when i I sort of commented on my Facebook when i you know about this what I was telling you but this huge fear that everybody's going to know my story and it I felt like we've got this market square in our town, and it felt like I'd been dragged into the middle of town and stripped right, naked, right. and the whole town was looking at me, you know this. I couldn't have felt any more exposed. Um, again, I've got lots of friends from all, all over the world. It's not just uh, in the town, but that's how it kind of felt. So I think that feeling very vulnerable and quite exposed and um, and I think that was the hardest part because the first time I told the story, I, st- I stood up on stage and actually told it in a, in a speech. And, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to go in, I'm going to go and If I'm going to do a public um, talk, then... You know, let's go for it. Um, so I just told, it, and the, the feedback was so incredible. It was, um, I thought, yeah, you know, I have to keep telling this story and helping people and inspiring somebody, maybe, hopefully. I'm
0: sure it has. I'm um, definitely sure it has. You know, you mentioned about allowing like something like fear to just be in that. And I think it's a growing yeah. concept among humans on some level. And I'm, I'm very happy about that because I think it's a contradiction to the projections of social media and our own personalities <laughs> yeah. of that we're trying to, we're not comfortable being ourselves. We're, we're comfortable projecting an altered state of ourselves, which, but we should be, we should just embrace who we are. For that and sometimes part of that is just allowing yourself to feel like this is terrible <laughs> like I don't feel good and I think we want to feel like we're happy all the time and projecting sure. happiness and that's just not reality I actually kind of this is probably a bad analogy but it's, it's what I know you know I can only talk about what I know and not pretend about other things I don't know but in my field you know for me like I love exercise I've always said I was a collegiate athlete but I love like being at the, at the bottom. I like, I like almost the drowning effect of working really hard but- because it teaches me something. Like when I feel like I'm not sure how much harder I could push, I feel like kind of just woof, I'm really deep into this workout. That's when I, when I question myself. That's when I know I started learning a lot about myself in that moment. I think it's similar to fears like we want to get rid of fear so we never have to question ourselves and what we're made of. We just always want to be comfortable or the projection of yeah. that. And uh so I think that allowing yourself honestly to feel like shit sometimes it's just okay. You know, it's just it's just part of life sometimes. You just it's just part of being alive, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I hope I mean I all oh, for reframing situations and looking at the the you know the the silver lining and everything. Sure. But sometimes like you said sometimes you just feel like just I'm having a bad day. That's what's wrong fine. with that there's no wrong, or wrong. yeah exactly well and I think that exactly also I think this is something that we should really be teaching young people like it's okay because you you have all these influencers and gurus and like you said it's it's <laughs> yeah don't get me started on that don't get me why not on that. <laughs> but got, yeah but um this this whole because this, this was part, you know, what, what inspired me for this, to write this post as well about fear. Because everybody's like, you know, if you have fear, you'll, you'll never get anywhere and you won't have, you'll never accomplish anything. And I think, no, God, no, you can't. It's, I, I don't know whether you call them shadow emotions or negative mm. emotions or whatever you want to call them. They all serve a purpose. Fear is what helps you lift you know, gives you that massive boost of energy to lift a car when you to save a loved one, you know to drag out a loved one. you know you hear those stories, mums mm-hmm. lifting up the car, has a car accident, lifts up the car, drags out the kiddie um that's that's fear, isn't it? You know we need fear, fear stops you from going too close to the edge to take your selfie' <laughs> like, you know so you don't the cliff edge it's fear. <laughs> we we don't want to eliminate fear, fear is what's keeping you alive, you know, and it's absolutely fine. I mean, sometimes we, you know, we're fearful. If it doesn't, it's about like just recognizing that it's just that check-in, and you can go ahead and it's fine. You can, you know, you you push through it anyway. It comes with you. It, it's not something that you ever get rid of. Um, not in, in my opinion, anyway. That's yeah. my belief. Uh, and, and and grief, you know, if you have a loss, or you you know, you, your your pet dies, or you you know, somebody close to you passes away, or you break up in a relationship, you're going to feel. Sadness and grief, yeah, and it's going to hurt. It is. It does hurt, but that's part of the healing, isn't it? It's just yeah. allowing sometimes that protest, and and just in that allowing it to sort of come through. Because when we start to suppress it, which is what I did, it's going to come. It's going to come out somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you go into. Um, it, it's it comes through the cracks. You know, it's like you have to you have to deal with it. You have to allow it. um As long as you have a lot of support, you know, it's, it, make sure you have support around you um and things like that but i don't really agree with um i think there's a great film i don't know if you've seen it i don't know if it's a is it disney or pixar the inside out it's called and it's all about uh it's a kid's film i've heard of
0: it a client of mine told me about it i haven't inside
1: watched out- it yeah no it's a great it's a great film and it's all about um this young girl and and the emotions are are portrayed as little characters in in this girl's mind. And, and it kind of basically teaches young people, the importance of having those emotions, um, that basically joy, the the, the happiness element wants to, you know, this, this girl to be happy all the time. So she tries to stop all the other emotions, you know, the negative ones, she doesn't want the sadness anywhere near. And basically it has this effect of, um, the girl feeling, feeling nothing, feeling no emotion, no, you know, there was no fear, no sadness. She was kind of almost flatlining, if you like, in a kind of limbo. And, and it kind of teaches you, I think it's a great metaphor if, if anybody wants to read it, read it, watch it. Um, adults, children alike, it's a fantastic metaphor for the importance of that emo- negative emotions are necessary um, to, to live a function, you know, to have a, a happy, well-balanced life. Um, So it's a great, great, I love it. I think
0: it's, that's why I think this time we're living is very interesting and the growth of technology and our communication devices or platforms online, because they're they're just large experiments of, of human behavior and of people's validation of themselves and projections of who they want people to see and that. And so it's like, Trying to control the narrative of your life as you put it out to other people for that. So then you have some people who are very positive all the time, and some people who are thriving off of, like, I'm a mess. Look at me, I'm a mess all the time, you know, this and that. And it's just, I just think it's really strange, honestly, you know, and then people are capitalizing off of it, like you said, kind of these, the gurus of the world and this and that. And I just think it's not that complicated, honestly. And like, your person, You're going to go through a range of emotions. Sometimes you're going to feel so sad, so down about something. And I go through that. You go through that. All people go through that, whether you want to show me that or not, it's happening in your life. And that's why I really like doing podcasts and stuff, because I always get people on and they're, they're like getting naked all the time, constantly. They're like, hey, I want to get this out. I got to get this off my chest. I want people to know they are not alone in these feelings that they're having. I think it's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, yeah I think that's when you're uh, when you're going through some kind of traumatic or bad experience or you're trying to get out of a situation or you want to change your life, you do feel this, there is this sense of feeling that nobody understands you, you're completely alone, um, you'll never be able to get out of it, and you can't see a way forward. And yeah, and exactly as you said, even if your own story is is unique to you, and everybody's story is unique, somebody, somewhat, you know, you will there will be an understanding. There will be people out there who understands exactly what you're going through. Um, not exactly the the you know exactly what you're going through, but yeah. you know, the general feeling of what you're going through. Um, and there's so much support as well out there. I think uh, I don't know how it is in the U- the US, but certainly in the UK we have a lot of Charitable organizations, not pro- not-for-profit organizations, which you can reach out to if you do feel that things are spiraling out of control, you don't know where to turn to. That you can, you know, you can contact them anonymously as well. You don't have to give your name. You can reach out if you don't know where to go um, and things like that. So that there's, there are resources. There's lots of free information out there. It's just really utilizing and um, utilizing them and and taking action. And you know, I think that was like, a bit like, uh, people get stuck, don't they? And and they don't know where to turn, and they, they don't know what to. It's just do something, just take the first step, make the first step if you want to change, or, or you need help, or or something. Um, so yeah. yeah, I'm a bit a big advocate for for take for taking action. I mean, um, but also still being with your emotions. That's absolutely fine. You know, if you're feeling yeah, down, I think
0: it's totally just part of it. What do you? What do you what do you see things going? I mean, obviously we don't know, but like you're doing, you're telling the story, and you're going to continue to tell it. I would imagine. Where where is this headed for you? You think?
1: Where's this headed? Well, I think that um, I mean, I would love to do a TEDx uh, talk. Um, I think that's really was what my initial. Um, that's one of my, you know, bucket list things. I just want to tick off, uh, let's be on the TED TED stage. Uh, and obviously, I did have uh, some interest in that, but then, of course, um, you know, coronavirus came at the Damn wrong time. Coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I know,
0: so how dare how, you.
1: how selfish! Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we'll see how things progress from that. Um, and I'm just creating some kind of, at the moment, I think I think everybody's had to adapt um, a bit more to kind of the more online space. Um, so this is kind of teaching, you know, that adaptability and flexibility um, in terms of business and how to reach people and communicate. Um, so that's kind of spurred me into kind of thinking about doing more like an online program as well, because I, I work face-to-face. Um, well, I was working face-to-face, now it's mm-hmm. on Zoom. So that's kind of given me an idea that, you know, I would like to maybe um, do do a kind of course. Um, the steps, certainly go through the steps that I've uh, found worked for myself and the, the steps that I find work for clients as well. And perhaps put on like an online program um, that could help people. And if any of your listeners want to be a, a beta tester <laughs> for that, they can, they can you know, <laughs> contact me. Um, so yes, the, the future as well, it's, it's exciting i think really um lots of changes um yeah it's quite quite positive i think i'm quite happy that i can that my story you know that's something so negative um can have such a positive positive outcome really um so it's taken me you know quite a few years yeah. <laughs> to get to this kind of point because uh, you know, I wish it had happened sooner, but then that's just how it was. I was just uh, had a very different mindset, a sort of a victim mindset, and uh, it took me a long time to figure out that it was really myself harming myself and nobody else. Um, so yeah, so it's quite the future is bright, as I say. It is
0: bright. I think so. I think it's a good note to end on here, and uh, I'm excited to get your story out to um, my network. And, um, for me, every story is a learning opportunity for me, one for me to listen and and increase my listening skills and, um, really dive deep into hearing what the other person is saying. I'm definitely going to remember everything you said. And, uh, that's really wonderful. And what's great is I turn around these bad boys quick. So next week, this thing's dropping on people. So, um, It's going to be really, I think, impactful for a lot of people to hear your story. So thank you so much for being on, Lisa.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me and having me. Thank you very much. Thank you
0: for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Anyone else have trouble sleeping last night and the night before that? Same. And I've tried everything, but it either doesn't help me sleep so I'm cranky and tired the next day, Or I sleep and then I'm drowsy the next day. Luckily, Seize the Night and Day is here. Go to SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more about insomnia and how you can seize the night. And Carpe the Diem. Make their mission your mission. Because they will not rest until we all rest. Your post-Pilates gear, those funkified running shoes, they could all smell like a new car. Thanks to the My GM Rewards Card, you'll earn four points for every dollar spent on all purchases everywhere and seven total points for every dollar spent with GM. Earn towards a brand new GM ride with every yoga mat and spa treatment. That's the power of appreciation. From us to you. Namaste, y'all. Subject to credit
1: approval, terms and limitations apply. Visit MyGMRewardsCard.com.